And there's been days when I've watched it and I've watched Cinderella's actions and I've said, maybe the stepmother was just misunderstood and she was dealing with a bratty, entitled teenager. And now. (laughs) I'm the captain now. (laughs) Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing? You know, thank you so much for being here. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 169 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Ooh, fantastic. It's so great to be back here in the K2 studios, baby. I know we had taken a long time off just because of travel and life and all the things. We came back all last the week things. and we came back last week and now we're at it with another fantastic, fabulous episode of the Chris and Christine show. Da, 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 da. How does it feel? It feels fantastic. You know, getting the band back together, the, the dynamic duo that's just you and me. Yep. We've had Ezekiel on the show last two episodes, but mm-hmm. uh, he is back home in Fres. Yes. Or uh, is it Fresno? Fres. Yes. And he's starting uh, college tomorrow. No way. Check that out. I know. He had orientation on Friday and he got to go and do his tour and everything. Can you believe we have a kid starting college? No, actually, I can't believe that. I mean, when I first met Ezekiel, he was like, 13, I think he was. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe 12? Was it 13? I think it was 13. Yeah, I first met him and the boys, my boys were like super little, of mm-hmm. course. They were, they were very young. And uh, I was so nervous getting them together and thinking like, what are they going to be buddies? Are they going to enjoy each other's company? Are they going to be kind of like, is Ezekiel too cool to hang out with my little <laughs> kids? Is he too adult, you know too mature for my little kids? Is he like those little you know, whippersnappers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't play with them, you know. Oh my gosh, they were instant buds. Oh, they totally were. They gravitated uh, three amigos and uh, it's been pretty much nonstop ever, ever since. since. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at uh, videos, speaking of which you got our Hawaii video up and running, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode. Uh, but I was looking at the videos of the three musketeers on their many escapades. Let's call them that. Their um, adventures and attempts to you know, sink us when we were on the water bike and them jumping off of uh, the pier and all of those types of things. And they like to get into, I wouldn't say trouble, but they like to uh, push the boundaries together for sure. <laughs> oh, they definitely do. They are, uh, I think, I think now they're in that stage of life where they're trying to be like the shock jock. And do you dare me to do that? Do you dare me to go jump off, the, off that thing? Do you dare me to do that? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And uh, that kind of stuff. And they're kind yep. of like out show each other and kind of this like, look what I can do and trying to impress. Maybe they're trying to impress the ladies. I don't know. I maybe, don't know. Maybe it's a possibility. But this year, so we have Zeke starting college tomorrow. We have Mason having sixth grade orientation on Wednesday. And Jacob starting eighth grade the following week. I don't know how I feel. I mean, it's going to be like a blink of an eye before all of our kids are like grown and out of high school. And here we are, empty nesters, old and alone. Wow. It just means we have to start all over again, babe. Uh, 
What? Are we getting a baby? We have one. It's a little fur baby. <laughs> little Clover Bear. She's probably listening to this podcast right now. I huh? know. She's not in the studio with us today, but probably going to start whining when she hears her name. You know, it's funny. You think about Ezekiel and Mason. They both are doing brand new like adventures. Ezekiel's going into a brand new college and Mason's going into a brand new school. They're both... I guess Jacob is the one that's really kind of sitting in one spot. He, he's right, going but he's like grade. top dog, eighth grader. Yeah, it's almost like he's a senior and Mason's like a freshman coming in. It totally is. And I was talking with Jacob because with our kids, I think we've mentioned this before, when we we made a decision that we don't like to invest in like lots of stuff. We love to invest in experiences. And so when the kids finish a big milestone grade level, like... Uh, eighth grade or 12th grade, we like to plan an adventure that they get to help have input into. And so I was talking with Jacob and I was asking him because he's you know going to graduate from eighth grade at the end of this year, but we we're already starting to plan like, what adventure do you want the family to take? And so we were coming up with all different kinds of fun ideas. And that's something to definitely look forward to. I know we just got back from one big trip this year, but already starting the plan. Like three big trips, I think. Well, about one it. big family trip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But starting to plan for next summer. And Jacob gets to have big input into what it is that we do next summer. I wonder what he wants, to, where he wants to go for his uh, eighth grade graduation into summer. I mean, going into high school. It's a big milestone. Um, yeah, because he's going on his eighth grade trip to the East Coast that you and his mom are uh, helping to save up for. So he's already going to be going to like Washington, D.C. and New York. So we're not going to do that. But he mentioned mo- wanting to go back to Orlando. Oh, what for? What's over there? Universal Studios, Harry oh, Potter Land, all right. of that stuff. Right. I heard the Universal Studios in Orlando is like, it's more theme park roller coaster than it is like like set design and behind the scenes and movie making kind of stuff like it is in hmm. Hollywood here. But like well, they don't crazy. have a back lot there. They might have some stuff. I've never been, but they might have some stuff, but not like here where they actually have film, film the stuff. Yeah, right. like here's a set for Psycho and all that stuff. Like um they've got like some crazy roller coasters, you know, like really crazy stuff. The stuff at, at uh, Universal here, it's probably more like on the Disney Disney side of like thrill, really. Mm-hmm. There's some scary stuff, but it's not like crazy Magic Mountain type of roller coasters. But yeah, but I, I've always wanted to go check out Universal Orlando. I heard it's like the, another level, and I think he wants to go there too. But after going to uh, Florida last year in reala- the summer, in the summer, yeah. and realizing how hot and humid it gets over there, uh, well, well, at least we're better prepared. We're better True. prepared this time than we were last time. Well, what I was pitching to Jacob was the idea of maybe we take the trip, but wait until Thanksgiving break of his freshman year to go when it's actually milder and probably a bit more enjoyable. He was open to that idea, but you know, travel during summer is always something that's kind of hit or miss because you're either going to like, roast or be drenched in rain because of like tornado or hurricane season, not tornado season. Well, yeah. Uh, depends on where you go. If you go like the Bahamas or even Southern Florida or when you're in Hawaii, you know. Or New York. We got drenched. Oh, yeah. New York. It rained in New York, too. So 
you always thought that like rain, at least being here in Southern California, the rain season for the most part is only like the winter. Like our winter is rain. Yeah. You know, and then of course the summer is heat and more of it and more heat and sunny days and things like that. I do remember that like towards the tail end of August, you would have like humidity come in and you have like rain and drizzle and and a lot of thunderstorms would happen around that time of year too. So um, good times, you know. Maybe what we should do is take the kids to like a Universal Studios for like two days and then find some East Coast, like kind of near Florida, all-inclusive resort to stay at that has like water sports and pools and like food and drink included. You know, things that you would typically find in like the Bahamas or Jamaica or something like that. I'm sure that we have those types of things in like the Florida area. And then it's like, you don't have to worry about being in a theme park all day and like the heat getting you because you could go back and forth between your room, the pool, whatever. I think you're describing that great lodge indoor water park thing. What's it called? Like the great Great wolf lodge. No, I mean, yes, it could be something like that, but I was thinking more like a club med or like a sandals or beaches resort kind of thing. Now you're talking sandals. Yeah. Yeah, going back to that uh, indoor water park, I heard it smells like chlorine. Like you open the door. No, so I don't want to do that. It just it just hits you in the face, like whoa, you know. It's all indoors, which is great for winter time. If like if you live in Wisconsin or someplace, and during the winter, I'm sure the place is fantastic. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, I want water park. I want to go outside. I want to see the sunshine. The, you know, all that great stuff. What we need is like the Disney Alani Resort, but in Florida. They have that. It's called Disney World. No. You know, how bad would that be if we say to the kids, like, we're going to take you to stay at one of the Disney resorts, but buy them no tickets to the theme park. Like the extent of what they get is just staying at the hotel. They might actually like that. If if it's a cool (laughs) hotel, if it's got like water slides and all kinds of stuff to do. I mean, they may want to just hang out there. Like, what are we going to the park? Do you think that people do that? Do they just like go to the resorts and not go to the actual theme park? Well, if there are people that go to Vegas and book rooms at Caesars Palace and never gamble, then probably. Good point. You know, now I have a whole new respect for what actually happens at those resorts. I mean, they could do character breakfast. They could still go swimming. They can do some water sports. Well, not really because there's like gators all over the place, but you know. Yeah, but you would think that if you're going to stay in an actual Disney property, you would think that you'd probably be going to the Disney park that's associated with that property. You wouldn't just stay there just for funsies, but maybe you would, maybe you're just going by, you know, for the day, just swinging by the place just to check it out. That's one thing, but I guess if you're going to stay there. Yeah, I don't know, but you know, lots of stuff is happening. We're getting ready for our kids to have all kinds of changes. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited and also nervous at what the next year is going to bring because, you know, having one kid in college, having another kid finish up middle school and getting ready to go into high school, having our littlest one starting into middle school. It just feels like, gosh, they're growing up so fast. Yeah, I just can't wait until they all have their driver's license (laughs) and they're all just like racing each other on the street doing donuts for each other. And next, you know, you look at their YouTube channels and it's just them like hanging their phones out the window and uh, see if they can like, you know. You can't wait for that day? I I dread that day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when I was younger, we used to jump each other on bicycles. Like we have our bicycles set up and all three of us or whatever would run down the 
hill and then we have a bike ramp we made out of like wood or bricks or whatever we could find. And we say, hey, everybody lay down. Like, yeah, you lay down there. We kept pushing the boundary <laughs> on how far we can like jump each other. So we got to the very edge where like when you the bike would jump over you, the tail end of the bike tire would literally nick you because it landed. That's how close it was when it would land. But um, yeah, good times, you know? Yeah, definitely. I just can't believe that, you know, here we are this far along with, you know, first of all, the two of us, I've been reflecting on this a lot. I came into your life over five years ago now and Mason had just turned six and he had, he was just finishing. He was like, a day away from finishing kindergarten and getting ready to, then he started first grade the first year we were together. And now here he is starting sixth grade. And I just like, it blows my mind how fast our kids are growing up. And as much as I enjoy it, cause they're getting more independent. I just want time to slow down a little bit. Oh, I know. And that's what summer vacation should be about. But when you had two, sorry, three kids that are just go, go, go. Uh, even though you may plan a quiet, relaxing, chill vacation, it uh, doesn't always turn out that way. And the yeah. kids just want to just go and get crazy. And, and I mean, I know it's exciting. It, it, traveling can be exciting. I was telling you this morning that um, I think when I'm with kids, traveling with kids as a family, it's not as relaxing as you may think it would be. No. Even though you're saying, I'm going to go to a nice, chill place. We're going to relax, you know, drink a few Mai Tais, <laughs> feet in the sand and just relax. And then it doesn't always seem to be that way. Right. right. Well, I was wondering, Chris, so I've been thinking about this quite a bit. When you were dating, that we call it BK, before Christine. Yeah, go on. When you were dating and you were putting yourself out there, uh, I mean, you've been very open with me that you, you told me like you didn't think you wanted to get remarried or anything like that. Did you think that you would have a larger family? Like when you thought of your future, if you thought of your future, did you think like, yeah, I could be a stepdad someday? You know, I did. And there was a fact that way before BK, way before even my kids, I think, I think I have dated girls that have kids and that sort of thing. So that thought always crossed my mind. I remember I was dating a woman uh, a long, long time ago. And um, I used to take her stepson out to do events and do things. He was probably like four. Maybe? Her stepson? I mean, sorry, her son. Yeah, my uh-huh. her son. Uh, he was probably four or five at the time, and I would just take him out and do a lot of fun events and stuff. Go to the park or go to the zoo or go all these cool things. And I always kind of wondered back then. I was much, much younger back then. I was probably in my 20s, you know. And I was kind of thinking, like, will this be like to have a son of my own? What mm-hmm. is it like? And that sort of thing. Of course, it never worked out. But point being is that I have seen things from both perspectives. And when you have kids of your own and you're out there in the dating pool... And you're trying to meet, you know, your significant other with children. So now you're kind of thinking like, what is it like to blend two families together? And, right. and if that person even has kids or that person want kids, or how is that a person being you? How are they going to respond to my kids? And how is our family going to work together? And it's not always easy. Yeah, definitely. I don't think that I put a lot of thought into being a step parent. I think that in the back of my mind, I knew that I would most likely date someone that had children of their own, but it wasn't a real prominent thing in my life. The people, the couple of people that I dated before you and I met didn't have children. There was one that did, but um, he just saw her, you know, 
occasionally just because of where she lived. And so it wasn't until you and I started dating that I really wrestled with this concept of quote unquote step parenting and like what life would be like to have more more kids. And it's, man, it's been a learning experience because I had one and I went from one to three and I've just been like figuring out how to adjust ever since. But you're since. so good at it though. Like, I th- Am I? I think, okay, partially I think it's because of the mother instinct. I think all, all, all women for the most part, for the most part, uh, especially women that are mothers already have a pretty good knack for being parents, mostly. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, now seeing mostly, not always happen. It doesn't always happen to everybody. But I think that from a father's perspective, things are a little different. And also you came from a teaching background. Right. So you were already a teacher. You worked with kids. You already worked with kids at the school district that were my uh, kids' age you know, range. So you already had that under your belt a little bit where mm-hmm. it's like almost as if if you were to throw me into a substitute teacher role of like, say, seventh graders, right? I don't care what the class is. I would be totally like lost. But if you got thrown into it, you'd be no, a pro. You right. Know? Yeah. I Maybe that's what it is. I just think that, you know, there's not a lot of resources or there, you know, before now, I didn't think there were a lot of resources to help parents navigate the step parenting dynamic and how to get yourself set up for success. And, you know, we've definitely been trying to kind of, I wouldn't say walk blindly, but to figure out like, how does this work? What is, how do we define this relationship? Like for you and Ezekiel trying to figure out like, what's your role in his life and what's he comfortable with and making sure that, you know, we're, you and I are aligned and that neither of our sets of kids feel that we're trying to like take over the other parents role. Like I know that Jacob and Mason have a really great mom and I'm not trying to like be a replacement mom or in competition with her, but it's definitely been an interesting journey to navigate that. Definitely has. And this week on our episode, we have an expert that's going to be talking with us about navigating that parenting and step parenting dynamic. And I've been really excited to hear from her and we're going to be back with her right after this. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest, super interesting and super relevant to Chris's in my life. She is the founder of the Stephood Project and focuses on being a childhood trauma educator. Welcome to the show, Lisa Goodpaster. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure to be on your show. Hey, Lisa. Well, thanks for joining us uh, via telephone today. Yeah, this is a new approach for us. We're excited to have you with us. Uh, But where in the world are you joining us from, Lisa? I am in San Jose, California, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Anything new happening up there? Any new uh, Apple products? (laughs) Oh, no. I'm afraid to look. (laughs) (laughs) Now, are you originally from the Silicon Valley area or are you just on the road? 
No, I was actually born and raised here before. There, it was just IBM and a couple of, you know, just computer businesses. Now it's, you know, massive. Uh, so yeah, born and raised here. And then I kind of lived all over. I was a flight attendant before, traveled. Wait a second. You were a flight attendant? Tell me about that. What's that even like? Oh, it was the best job for this former child of divorce because I knew how to pack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, you put a pack light, though, when you're a flight attendant, right? You don't get a, like a, you don't get like the two major big giant suitcases. It's like the small one. You got a wheel to the, uh, you know, ticket window, right? Right. Well, you'd be surprised how much we can actually pack and you can throw things in shoes and, you know, it was, I mean, you're only gone for like two or three days and you're wearing a uniform. So quite a lot. That's amazing. So with being a flight attendant, this is very intriguing. I don't know if I've ever met, maybe I've met one, but I wanted to know, like, how yeah. many countries, how many states do you think that you've been to? Oh, I've been all over the United States because I was domestic. And then I've been probably maybe eight different countries, you know, Latin America, China, not China, Japan, uh, Brazil, uh, Europe. Now, were you a coach class flight attendant or a first class flight attendant? Is there a difference? I've heard there is. Yes. So when you first start off, you're like brand new. So like you're like a newbie and you go where you, you know, if you have to work in the back, you have to work in the back. Flight attendants are um, trained to work uh, and you bid every month. You can work first class if you want for a month. You can work. In the back, you can wear purser. So there's all these different, I suppose, you know, job assignments. But yes, uh, working first class would mean that you get, you're in charge of the mic. So you've been in radio and in podcasts. It's kind of fun because you get to do all the announcements and that kind of thing. So, you know, it breaks up the, the day. Awesome. Lisa, on the uh, subject of flight attendant uh, stuff, fun stuff. What is your favorite uh-huh. terminal in the United States continental? I would say, well, shoot. You know what? I, I wouldn't say, well, Dallas, because yeah, I'm just used there. to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wherever they have a shopping, uh, LA, not so much. Uh, Denver is a really pretty airport. Yeah. I would say, so Denver is a nice one. I think that it's a little bit more compact than the Dallas one. Dallas is massive. I was just, I flew through Dallas. Well, I was in Dallas for work just a couple of weeks ago. And man, those terminals are so long. It's just like, it takes forever to get from one side to the other, but there's a lot of stuff there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just like the, I just like this. Usually when you fly a lot, it's usually where's the best food. What hotels have the most comfortable pillows? You know, the, that's what crews are usually looking for. Uh, you don't bring your own pillow with you when you fly? No, you, it would. I don't think then I wouldn't be able to fit any of my clothes. So. <laughs> Priorities, right? <laughs> Who needs clothes, anyways? I think so. I right. have this new um, special pillow that I got. 
And oh, Christine's expensive pillow. My expensive pillow is a purple pillow. And that thing is so heavy. But every time I get ready to travel, I'm like, okay, do I have to, do I really have to leave you at home? Because first of all, it's very heavy and Uh um, it holds its shape. So you can't like squish it down very much. So unfortunately it gets left behind, but I, I seriously debate every time I travel, like, does the purple pillow get to go on this trip with me? But I think it would have to be checked baggage. <laughs> oh, um, they should make special arrangements for those pillows. Yeah. So Dallas and Denver are your favorite terminals. Do you have any others that you've been through a lot that you say steer clear, if at all possible, on a layover? I mean, JFK, you know, the uh, Heathrow. Mm-hmm. Every airport is just, I mean, it was just work. So you kind of just pass through, but it should be really funny and honest. It's it's fun. It was fun back in the day when you didn't have to go through the the check-in with everyone else. You had like the private one for cruise. That was always fun. Uh, but yeah, you know, the less busier, obviously, but it's not like we can sit and have a drink and wait for our plane to get there. Oh, yeah. So, right. <laughs> right. You can't, you can't go to the bar where the pilots are at and, <laughs> and have a few drinks. Right. Oh, gosh. Right. Well, I married a pilot. So, oh, no. Man. Yeah, I, I could. we can have a whole other episode on that. <laughs> now, I've heard rumor that if you work for a certain number of years with certain companies, then you got lifetime flight benefits. Did you get any perks like that or did you maybe not stay long enough? So I got a perk where I married a pilot and I and I got to fly for free. Oh gosh. I don't think my son well my son now he's 30, but yeah, he never flew uh regularly. He always flew cuff I mean for his class. So you do get like uh, you know, you get to fly standby, uh, which is a perk, uh, I suppose. So yeah, there, there's definitely perks, but I don't know about that lifetime because that was not in my divorce decree. <laughs> oh, well, that's unfortunate, but it uh, sounds like you've had quite a life of adventure traveling lots of different places. It's something that Chris and I both love and you know we're taking our kids on their first super long, well, I guess we went on one other long plane trip, but we're flying this summer to Hawaii direct flight. Any tips for us for packing from a flight attendant's perspective? Yeah. uh, You know, just, uh, you know, those, those plastic, you can like, it like sucks your clothes in. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. A vacuum cleaner trick, right? You can probably get them online on Amazon. Those things are amazing. You can, like, you will be like, how did I ever not use this for packing? But how, Seriously, do, you, those, how do you do it when you're at the hotel, though? Because you don't have a vacuum cleaner in your room. Like, how do you do it there? Blow dryer. Will that work? A blow dryer. Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of... A blow dryer, It's it, it works great. If you have to check, if you have to check your bags, like... Like, I hardly, I mean, I never really checked my bags because I just, I just didn't want to be without my clothes. <laughs> but if you always make sure that 
you take a carry on where you have your makeup, your medicine, things that you know you can't be without, especially for the kids. So make sure that you have their, and if they're on medicine or their, you know, change of underwear, things in case, um, you know, you have to wait longer or your luggage doesn't arrive, although direct from wherever, from San Diego to Hawaii shouldn't be a problem at all. Oh, so uh, when we're packing, if we don't do the checked baggage and we just do the carry-on, uh, then you know, it makes it super easy. But if we're checking baggage, you were saying to make sure that we have all of the medications sm- and things? Yeah, things that you just, you need, like you, you know, in case you have to go, say they have to turn around or something and Usually, this usually happens when you don't fly direct. Oh. But when you fly direct, it's 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 a better chance that your your stuff's going to go where you go. It's just just to be on the safe side. I've always, always, always like my iPad, my cell phone, uh, medication, anything that you just don't want to be without. Yeah, absolutely. And my mom always taught me that always pack a full fresh set of clothing because if something was to happen and your luggage was to get lost, at least you have yes. backup underclothes and stuff for at least 24 hours to get you through until your luggage arrives. And I'll tell you that saved me so many times for travel. <laughs> yes. Cause those socks don't last that they hand out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your flight attendant journey, uh, but we're we're really excited to talk with you about what it is that you do and what it is that you do for families. And so um, we see that you're a childhood trauma educator, but before we jump into that, would love to know a little bit of your backstory of you know what led to your own childhood trauma to trigger you to jump into this field. I like to say, uh, you know how Cinderella had an evil stepmom. And unfortunately, in my case, it's kind of like Cinderella backwards where I had uh, a bad stepmom. And instead of the mice and all the helpers and the fairy godmother, I had aunts and uncles and familia because I grew up alienated. And when you grow up alienated, that means that uh, you don't have a relationship with one or both of your parents because there were some false uh, stories and allegations. And that's what was done to me. And one of the biggest reasons why I think that I was able to figure it out is, number one, you can't really alienate a Latina because there's too many of us. Right. So thank- Yeah. <laughs> so thank God that I still maintained my relationships with my aunts and uncles and, and cousins because uh, I was surrounded by love more than hate. So going back to your original question, I was one of those kids that was really angry. My parents got divorced when I was four. I don't remember. And we've been normalizing divorce for so long. And what I mean by normalizing, by saying that the kids are resilient and and, you know, yeah, they get through it. And what? Well, yes, but when you're alienated and you have parents that don't co-parent, it's a very dangerous. And this, you know, our, our children, and just like, I'll just use me, for example, when you grow up, you are 
you know, you're kind of bound to your parents out of survival. And so when that divorce happens, we know that divorce sucks, but why? Why is it a lifetime hit for the kids? And that's where I come in and I use what was done to me to help educate all families from all walks of life because parental alienation is massive. It is it is uh, the number one thing that's just the destruction of our family. Hey, Lisa, so, uh, I'm, at, mm-hmm. what, at what age were you when your parents divorced? I was four. Okay. And both my parents got remarried when I was seven. Okay, so you had that uh, couple-year window. But at that age, do you really even know what's really going on? Or do you kind of... Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, no. You, I mean, you don't know every... Every age is significant and different. You know that there's something going on, but you don't have the words. And so you have to trust the adults around you. So you do, like, you have internal feelings. You feel uncomfortable. You feel sadness. You feel anger. You just don't know how to express it at four years old. Some kids maybe, but I I just was, I was angry and I, and scared and I didn't understand why and back in those days it was just it's just just normal it's just the divorce and no it's it's a lot more than just divorce so being that young uh do you have memories of your parents being married or does your memory pick up after they were separated I know I have no memories of my parents together. I do remember when they were getting a divorce because my dad was not there when the movers were moving uh, our furniture out, my toys out. And I remember kind of tugging at my mom's shirt and going, what's going on? And she says, it's a divorce. I go, what's that? When When parents don't love each other anymore. I mean, that was it. And we went from a house to an apartment. And I remember... Like, because I was very close with my dad, wondering, is he going to find us? Where, where is he? Like looking out for him. And, but keeping that on the inside, not telling my mom, like, you know, because wait, my, my mom just said they don't love each other anymore. Why am I going to? So I just started to automatically worry. And parents don't know. They just think that, you know, oh, kids, they don't, they don't understand. They're too young. Now everything, especially... Um, in childhood, you, you don't get a second chance in childhood. So it's like a brand new computer, right? And so everything that gets inputted in childhood sticks. That becomes a foundation. This is why, um, parental alienation, alienation is huge, especially when parents divorce. This divorce sucks as it is, but it is devastating. It is a lifelong hit for your kids and it's not over in a couple of years it's forever so in your story lisa you just talked about moving into an apartment with your mom but you mentioned mm-hmm. parental alienation from your stepmom so it sounds like and i'm making an an assumption here it sounds like at some point maybe there was a flip where either dad came back in your life or he had you more of the time. So can you elaborate uh-huh. a little bit on what, Yeah, you don't have to go into all the details, but just so our listeners know, like yeah. what transpired to shift that dynamic? So from the time I was between 
four and about seven and a half, I lived with my mom. And then I would see my dad like on every other weekend or, you know, just the typical uh, parent, you know, mom gets 80, dad gets 20 percent of the time. Okay. My dad married, my dad married somebody that didn't have kids, was younger and didn't understand the difference between parental love and spousal love. And unfortunately, I went, my mom was having some car troubles. And so my dad said, just let her stay with me for like two weeks. And I was on it because my dad was like Disneyland, right? And my mom was more oh, of the stricter parents. Yes, yes, usually um, that uh, works. I get that. I've been, I've been accused of that myself, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and it's okay. And here's my, my thing is like, you know what? Who cares if you have a Disneyland parent and the parent, who cares? The end of the day, it all works out and it's what's best for your kid. Like, kid needs both. Right. Just can't have it at the same home. So just get over it, parents. It's okay. Be happy that your kid is having Disneyland fun. It just sucks that you can't be there, but that's divorced. Mm -hmm. So these are things that, you know, it's like, oh, when you put it that way. So, yeah. So here's what's really interesting is between the ages of 7 and 13, I spent more time with my stepmom than I did either of my parents. Interesting. Is that just because of it, work schedules and that kind of stuff? You would think, no, that was because by the time uh, after two weeks of being at Disneyland <laughs> house, I didn't want to go back to my mom. And it wasn't just that I didn't want to go back, was that I started hearing things. And it was like overnight. It's not normal for kids to hate their parents, especially that young. It's not. Mm. And so it was, so my stepmom, in order for her to feel important, she would have to um, invalidate or ex turn me into an evil stepchild to make herself feel better. And when you're a kid, you don't understand this. Um, As an adult, dad, I still don't understand it. So your, so your stepmom was looking out to hate you to make herself feel better? Oh, yeah. It's bad. It's it, it, This is unprecedented uh, proof. And I didn't even, and we didn't even talk about this in the beginning. But yes, um, what my stepmom did was that she rewrote my entire history between me and my mom and my dad and had me read it. And I don't know how many times I read it, but it's so evil. It's actually, that's why it's in my book, Alienated When Parents Won't Parent. Because what she did is that she took it all the way into my conception, into my mom being pregnant with me. My mom didn't want me. I would kick my mom from her belly. My mom wouldn't look at me, wouldn't change my diapers. It's really, doctors have said this is, this is unprecedented. This is, this is going to rattle so many parents, but also bring awareness because, like I said, this took 40 years to unravel. So I wow. lived my whole life thinking that my mom was a piece of crap, that she was a drug addict, that she was uh, just a total horrible mom. And the only person that loved me was my dad. So, so but, but okay, I'm trying to figure out the motivation for somebody to actually do that to a child, especially one that's not their own. It's hate. Okay. Hate. Yeah. 
socio. It, yeah, it's it's a mental. It's 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 got to be an illness. It, it's so bad, you guys, that she even has. Um, I have siblings. I have half siblings, and she even writes about them being hurt in it, and that takes a different type of a mother. There are so many, um, and and it's not just step parents that do this. All parents, whether some some of them are dads, some of them are moms. When you look at the news, how many parents are hurting their kids, are literally killing their kids. Mm-hmm. To uh, bring a little uh, light hum- humor to this, <laughs> I, 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 always, I always like to say, um, I used to tell the kids no, when they're younger. No, don't say it. Don't say it. I just say, Whoever's my, whoever cleans your up first is my favorite. So get on that, all right? <laughs> I thought you were going to say something different, Chris, but... You know, one of the things that stood out to me in this whole conversation um, and reading about you on the front end was because Chris and I have been previously married and then we brought our kids together is, you know, trying to figure out our own roles. And, you know, when something happens that the other parent does that really makes you angry how do you hold mm-hmm. it together to not say anything in the presence of your children to disparage them? Because it would be so easy to say all kinds of things, but the damage that does to kids is, I mean, it's exponential. It's, it's not just like, you know, oh, well, your mom did X, Y, and Z. They interpret it as, you know, oh, my dad hates my mom and now I have to protect her or, you know, what uh-huh. would make my mom do that? Especially if it was, oh, well, you know, your mom, well, I'm not even going to say it because I don't want our kids to hear things and think we're saying that about them, but um, <laughs> fill in the blank with whatever right. it is that then the kids start to, that becomes the tape in their head about their other parent. And if you add all of those things up, it becomes a movie. It's not just a one-liner. It becomes the narrative. And that could be so toxic and so incredibly traumatic for kids. It, it completely steals every aspect of your life. And you don't know it because you're growing up. You're enduring it. And like me, I just wanted to get away. I, I was just a really angry... Um, I was so... I was disproportionately angry about my parents' divorce. And at the same time, I was also kind of being coached that it was, oh, this is all because, you know, your parents got divorced. And of course, it was my mom that wanted the divorce. And so when kids hear this stuff, it it starts to manifest in all these ways, right? Like, well, if my mom didn't want to be married to my dad, she makes sense why she wouldn't want to be a mom. So... When parents are, you know, seeing things or hearing things that are really bad or something happens and, you know, you really, you have to shield your your kids from this type of parental behavior. Because the second a child is torn, the second a child, whether whether it's true or not, we still love our parents. I still love my dad. My dad's very supportive over the book. Um, it's a big, long story, but my mom is very supportive, both of my parents. I mean, talk about 
I had to corral them for 40 years because I was always, I always felt that there was something wrong with me, but I was always trying to figure out what it was. Mm. So when I remembered the trigger of all triggers of where my stepmom actually kept what I refer to as proof, which is actually in my book, um, it explains actually what literally brainwashed me away from my mom. Oh, wow. And this is, this isn't much that this isn't much different that what goes on in the groups online on reddit on tiktok um it's bad so anytime a parent is kind of upset because maybe one parent made a mistake whatever you have to shield your kids and make sure that they can still be kids because if they have to worry anytime we have to worry about our parent and we're young we automatically like check out because just if you when you know about the body and brain and survival our survival even as babies this is why they like it's not good to take a baby away from the mother so soon because babies don't this is all proven this is all done harvard research it's it's this isn't anything new it's just parents aren't educated in that and Kids don't know because they're just doing what we're just doing what we're told. We don't know what it's going to feel like at 16, at 25. So you're, you're literally splitting your kids. And when I mean splitting, I mean at one house, your kids have to behave a certain way. At the other house, your kids have to behave a certain way. And then when you have the parental conflict, um, who's the better parent? It becomes all about the parents. Nobody's nurturing the kids. The kids are left to deal with their own emotional um, experiences alone. And that in itself is trauma. Wow. So when you think about kids from divorce, right? Like, it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, divorce sucks because you deal with it alone. And that is the definition of trauma. Anytime your mind gets overwhelmed. And there isn't a parent there to say, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? What are you feeling? Let's talk about it. We suppress our emotions and we survive. And the problem is that those emotions eventually come out later. And that's why you see a bunch of kids or grown adults act like kids because it's our inner kid that is like screaming for attention all the wrong ways. Well, Listening to you, I'm I'm processing all of this, and I will say, there's been an occasion for a little bit so lighthearted humor coming at you. Thanks, babe. Um, I, going back to your original comparison, and I don't, I'm not diminishing or gaslighting your experience at all. I'm saying separately from my own experience as a stepmom, I've watched uh-huh. the movie Cinderella before uh-huh. and there's been days when i've watched it and i've watched cinderella's actions and i've said maybe the stepmother was just misunderstood and she was dealing with a bratty entitled teenager there are days when i'm like uh-huh. i want to hear the origin story of the quote-unquote evil stepmother because there was something there because there's days when i tell my best friends like i'm texting and i said you know what I'm finding myself in the middle of the Cinderella movie and I, I really think she was just a bratty teenager and the stepmoms misunderstood and they laugh at me. But I feel like there's 
there's two sides to a lot of situations. And I'm wondering on the other side is the step parent, like, how do I know if the parent, the other parent is trying to alienate me from my, I don't refer to them as stepkids, my bonus boys. And I don't think that's our dynamic, but sometimes they'll be so angry at me and spit such venom. And gosh, it just, oh man, it hurts so bad when I'm like working multiple jobs, trying to, you know, pay for travel and, and all of these extra things for our family. And then I just get cut down and I'm like, Gosh, it's yeah. really hard to show love and yep. kindness when all you get is venom. How do you, how do you so, navigate so that? that? <laughs> so that I would say is on the parents. Why are the parents allowing the kids to talk to uh, an adult that way? Like you have to nip that in the bud. And when that isn't yeah. nipped in the bud, you know, then then it's like, and then teenagers already rebel. And I can tell you, it's uncomfortable having step parents. Even, and it takes years. I have the best stepdad in the world. And I'm so glad that my mom and my stepdad, you know, have my brothers. We're super close. But it takes, like, I mean, I'm 50. It takes years to develop that appreciation. And here's the, and I wouldn't say, it's not that, um, Oh, poor me, you know, I'm I'm dealing with this, this like, just really just annoying teenager. Something's going on for that annoying teenager. Mm-hmm. Something's going, what happened to that child? What happened that um, you feel like you can act this way towards what are you hearing? Because we normally, when, when, you know, when you're angry at someone and you kind of lose your head, you're just like, then you kind of get like an anger hangover, like, yeah. oh, why did I act like that? Right. Kids feel that. They do. We, yeah. I know I did. I wasn't, um, I would say that it, that's on the parents and you can't, you can't force your stepkids to like you. They, the best thing you can do for your stepkids is to love their dad or their mom i thought it was to buy them presents man i've been doing this wrong that helps (laughs) that helps you know what yeah that yeah that's brady bunch (laughs) but but lisa why i know and a maid and a maid why do you say so much to love the other parent or at least show respect uh, or kindness towards the other uh, to the other parent so much no it's like me loving you i meant the parent yeah, like I meant like their spouse. So like you're oh, like okay. Kristen loving you because oh, okay. you came right because both your ex-wife and her ex-husband, you know, you guys got divorced. So kids didn't get to really grow up having loving, having that example. So when you remarry, it's really important that, you know, they see the love and the friendship between you guys. Because no, no matter, like my, my son's 30 now. So, you know, I was, I was a, my, my husband was a, a really good stepdad yeah. uh, for a long time. And, uh, you know, I thank God and super patient. There's a big joke too. Want to hear it? Yes. It's like, cause I had all these, like, cause when you, when you go through a lot of trauma and you deal with all this stuff, it's like, oh my God, how many things do you have? And it's like only a pilot 
you carry all his baggage. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. There you go. <laughs> so, so I, it, I want to say like I'm trying to put a normal spin on an abnormal situation, right? Uh, without offending like carrots, and you should see my TikToks. Oh my god! It's like if I stick it for the moms, the stepmoms get mad. If oh, I yeah. stick it for the stepmom. It's yeah. And it's like, that's exactly what happens. And so if you like right now, say you have teenagers and they're like, oh my God, they're going to kill me. I swear to God, there's going to be a day when those teenagers are going to get married and they're going to be happy. And, you know, hopefully they're going to look back and go, oh my God, thank you for not losing your, thank you for loving me in my ugliest form. And it could be, you know, it could be from just losing that attachment to our parents because that's what divorce does. And when we understand attachment and how important that is, especially parents, then they know like, okay, this is why we show up and we pretend to get along and we do it for the kids until they, you know, can kind of parent, you know, they, they kind of have to adults out of, out of it. It's just very hard because kids don't know Right. Because yeah. we've been normalizing it. So, Lisa, on that note with kids and parents going through divorce, and um, what age do you know do kids, do they even still do this, where the kids, where they do the whole, which house would you rather live at, live at, pick a choice, kid, you decide. What kind of pressure is it put on a kid to make a decision like that? So, it's just like telling an adult, um, where you want to work the rest of your life. Do you want to work here or you want to work there? You're like, I kind of want to work at both. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you don't even want to put that on your kid almost. But however, there are times when, and this is a lot of parents don't want to hear it. A lot of parents, you know, especially if you have a parent doesn't, isn't ready to move on, you know, so they create drama. Um, that's not a good example to set for your kid because they're watching it and they're feeling bad. So kids are constantly having to suppress their feelings and emotions so that they don't upset the adults while enduring trauma and not even realizing it. That's why it takes on forms of anxiety and all kinds of kids get stomach issues. They act out in school and right. it, it, it's, it's it, this is, you know, you, you only get, one shot at childhood and that's the foundation and when we understand it from a non-emotional like just okay this is the brain and this is how the body grows and everything that we say and do is going to be the catalyst that's either going to propel our kid or shrink our kid right it's interesting that you bring that up so chris and i sat down with our 13 year old his biological son, my bonus boy. And, you know, he's at that age where we felt like, you know, he's never had input into the custody arrangement. So for our two littles, it's a 50-50 split and they go like midway between the week. So we have them 50% of the time. Their mom lives just on the other side of town. We co-parent decently enough. I mean, right after we're done with this interview, we're leaving to go co-host a birthday party for our youngest together this afternoon where all sets of parents are going to be there. And so 
I mean, I would say it's one of the more functional dysfunctional dynamics in terms of, you know, divorced parenting and co-parenting. But we, Chris and I had this conversation of, you know, we haven't really ever checked in with our kids to see how this is working for them. And so we sat with our 13 year old and we talked with him and said, Hey, you're at the age where you can have input. And we just want to know, is this working for you? Would something work better for you? We respect your voice and we want you to know whatever you say, it's not going to hurt anybody's feelings. We just want to make sure that you're comfortable and that you feel like you're in a good space um, because we know you're really close with your mom. You like to help her Mm -hmm. out a lot. Like We're not going to have our feelings hurt if things don't work for you. And he said, actually, I just want to keep it the same. It works. And we were like, mm-hmm. okay. And it was just like in the I had this pit in my stomach because I was worried, you know, Chris has done so much to, you know, be present for them their entire lives. And um right. and he, you know, during a very contentious time, he was kind of the lead parent through some of the mess. But, you know, I was like, okay, please don't say you want to leave and just be with your mom. And then when he said, he was just like, it was so low key. He was like, actually, it's working pretty well. We were like, okay. No, but we had when the you were saying that. Yeah, as soon as you were saying that, I'm like, oh no, don't go in. Because sometimes the kid, some parents will turn the kids into, they call it parentification, where mm-hmm. the kid is taking care of the parent. Right. Right. So I was like, oh, good answer. Okay, good. The more balanced, the more, you know, plus 13, that's when, you know, they're, hormones and stuff it's a really confusing time <laughs> yeah oh yeah so it's good it's good to you know be around both of your pain you need them both throughout your your life right um just differently and, and it's just a shift and uh it, it's okay it's because it's about them and at the same time yeah that's like that would have been a i mean for me it would have been like i'm staying with my dad and stepmom even though i hate it what right. was happening, I just believed that I had to protect my dad. I stayed silent to protect my dad. Wow. So, yeah, it, it you know, it's it's so hard because no parent wants to um, it hurt their kids or, or make mistakes, but we do. And, you know, you'd be surprised when parents believe in their kids instead of believing, and not that it's not true, but all the bad things that could happen. I mean, we're meant to survive. So my body and brain did exactly what it was supposed to do. Uh, It protected me, even though it protected me from my mom, which didn't need to happen. It's very sad, so it's cautionary. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, we're living in a world where there's so many alienated and estranged kids that's where we have to focus on is our families and making space for step parents and parents and you understand that, you know, you're going to share your kids with the entire world, your, your mom and dad now, but then you share them with your friends, their spouses, their teachers, their coaches. So it's, it's, you know, divorce is a, it, it changes everything. And to try to make a child fit into a normal system that it's it's not. 
Right. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I look at my step, my stepdad and there's this like loving protection from him. And I, I sincerely love it. I always feel safe. And there's a part of me that wishes, damn it, I wish my dad was a little bit more like that. But I still love my dad. Right. But, but if I need something, I call my stepdad. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I wonder if kids, they, they, they secretly have the one that they know they can talk to more than the other one, you know? Like, for example, yeah. if, if they're going through something like, say, personal, like um, emotionally, like a breakup or a dating kind of a thing, who, what parent do they lean on more for that stuff? What parent would they say, well, I can't tell that parent because that parent would, be, would freak out if I'm, if I'm dating that. So, tell them yeah. Something. And then this is where step parents are good because, like, in, when I was raising, you know, when I was raising my son, I was like, okay, Greg, give me 10 years. Like I was helicopter mom. Like I'm going to like, I was super present. And so was his dad. So we really co-parented. We both were kids from divorce. Like we're not going to let this happen. I didn't even know I was alienated. Keep in mind. So I was just like this helicopter mom a little bit. Then I had to like, all right, let me turn off. This. <laughs> let me turn off the footballer. But what I'm getting at is there were times where I was super emotional, like, what do you mean you wrecked a car? Or what do you mean? You, you know, because parents been stressful too. We worry. Mm-hmm. Where the step parent is more calm because there's not, we love our stepkids, but there's more of a, a calmness because it's like, that's, it, it's like a, an advocate, right? Like, like if I need to talk to you, like I know my son would call my, you know, his stepdad and talk to him about certain things. That's just, it's like, it's like an advocate almost like a good step parent is almost like an advocate. Like, well, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a very enduring thing, but it works best when parents do the parenting and the step parent is, is there loving and, and supportive, but the kid still has uh, the foundation with their, their biological parent isn't severed. When that, when that relationship is severed because of lies or false accusation, that's a, that's like a death of your parent. Yeah, definitely. No. Even if they're sick, even if they're bad parents, you still, your entire life, you, you still, you still crave that throughout your life. Now, from your experience, Lisa, going through what you endured in your childhood with parental alienation, uh, what have Uh you done to now support survivors in, first of all, I think part of the work is identifying, like, what is it that I actually went through and then how do I start to heal from it? So what's your role as a childhood trauma educator? So that's, one of the biggest reasons I started the Stephood Project was to bring awareness on the dangers of not co-parenting. Because when I found out, when I finally figured it out, when I remembered, you know, and I called my dad, hey, dad, can you check underneath your wife's nightstand? Because there's something in there. I need it. Can you bring it to me? And it was there 17 years later. Wow. So when you read something where my son was already in college, right? Here I am like 42 and 43 maybe. And I'm reading and I'm thinking, oh my God, what the hell happened? And even my own psychologist, Lisa, I don't think we could help you. Like, what do you mean? You can't help me. What the hell happened to me? 
And it's like, where do you go when you're brainwashed? So I had to relearn everything, a lot of neuroplasticity. I went to a place called the Hoffman Process. Uh, A lot of celebrities have gone there. It's like where you go when you have, I call it, where you go when you have a a bad childhood. And I'll never forget. They're like, Lisa, there's nothing wrong with you. No, no. You survived. (laughs) You just, you you developed a lot of patterns and we can work through all those patterns and all those patterns and behaviors um, comes out when we are in relationships with our boyfriends, even girlfriends. And so for me, I was very, um, it, it was very hard for me to live my life uh, free until I figured out what happened to me because I was always still around my stepmom. And it never went away, this narrative. It was just a, it, 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 it is like, a, it's a psychological mind So once I figured it out, you know, God, I was alienated. You know, explained to my parents, went to the Hoffman. And then I knew like, there's so many kids j- just like me because I was always trying to figure this out. Always, always, always just, it, it's like you're gaslit for like, not just like once, like your whole life. Right. <laughs> It's like, it was like validation. I told you it wasn't me. Like, you know. But did you feel like so, a lot of relief though, Lisa, when you went to, well, it's all that was kind of came out? Did you feel relief? Yeah. I did. I did. But I also had to feel it. Because when you suppress a lot of the emotions you, in order to heal, you kind of have to feel it. So, you know, I got to do some cool things like ketamine and biocillin that kind of help get the sticky stuff out. The sticky stuff is like, stuff that you're afraid to 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 go in and look at but um along with like somatic therapy so my biggest thing was you can't even begin to heal until you know what you're healing from and i had been in and out of counseling just because i was curious by nature and everyone just like yeah i just would fall under being a child of divorce it's like no there are certain questions that need to be asked like do you see your parent how often do you know your parent? Because it's it's on the ACE score, which if anybody knows, it's adverse child experiences, mm-hmm. and you can take that test. And divorce is on there, and so is having a step-parent. So why is it that divorce and having a step-parent is part of a childhood, a child's traumatic experience, yet it's been continuing going on generation after generation, because I normalize it too. I got married and I mean, I, it was, I was a stepmom too. I get it. And it's like, oh God, this comes down to the attachment to our parent. So ultimately a step parent can't alienate a child without a parent's permission. However, my dad didn't know to the extent. And at the same time, he was one of those dads that put his head in the sand, which is a very common thing for uh, step parents, whether they're a stepmom or stepdad, is when the parent just doesn't want a parent. Oh yeah. So it, yep, yep. So that is, you know, and what can a step parent do? And it's like all you can do is be a really good role model, but to try to intervene and and take over, that is just gonna uh, confuse and and you know hurt the kids more. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And so the Stephood Project, what are some of the services and resources that you provide through that? So when you, you go on there, you'll see um, right now, I think I have like, um, 
the Hoffman is on there. Um, there are professionals that I recommend that I've worked with because there's like so many people that are calling themselves experts and they, there's, this isn't even in the DSM. They're still studying this. So the fact that I grew up to prove it because they can't even get kids to admit, like who wants to admit that they were brainwashed? No one. Well, I have the script. Cinderella over here, Latina Cinderella has the script. So you're brainwashed until you're not. Mm. Except the problem is with me, because it took so long, this is just where we're at. Like, you miss out on a lot. And um, this is why I'm here. I'm laughing. You guys want to laugh. But I came here for Mother's Day. And I used to run away from my mom all the time. My stepdad would write missing back in the day, like missing <laughs> a teenager running away again. And I'm laughing because I've like, I'm like, I'm still here. I'm like, I didn't sleep good. I think I'm going to stay another night. And they start laughing. I'm like, never when I used to run away. <laughs> just like, oh, holy shit. Or we just do goofy things. Like I'm returning a cup and a bowl. Like I guess I used to leave like dishes. Like, you know, some stepkids are like messy. But I'm super clean now, but it's just funny things that kids do. And it's like, well, the reason why I didn't, I didn't want to leave my room. I was, I was scared. Right. And when you understand like what I had to read and, and what, you know, a lot of kids have to deal with. Yeah. They, they stay locked up in their room. They don't want to be a part of the family because something is going on. And it's, it, had my parents, had my dad denied that what happened to me had he denied it it would have delayed my healing so the fact that both my parents owned their part because parents always like to no he's the worst parent no he's and the kid's like shut up right it's my life this is now this isn't about you guys so i'm kind of like that voice for the kids it's a really fun job too oh my god it's not <laughs> it's hard. so big so question i'd rather be a comedian big question mm-hmm. for you lisa is the stepmother still in your father's life as a spouse or has she exited the family? No, she's still married. They're still married. My dad knows there's a book. He's very supportive. He's the one that brought me the proof. But no, they're still married. And it's really sad for my dad. My dad, it's devastating. Both my parents came here from two separate countries. Mm. Uh, so that I could, so that I could grow up illegally alienated. Like, how is that even possible? Right. So it's very, it's very sad because he just wants all his kids together and it's her. And at the, I, I can, I don't ever have to see her again. It's, it's what she did is, uh, it's really bad. It's, and there's so much more trauma that happened to me during that time that it's not, it's too dark to talk about. It's right. in the book. Uh, but, but it's also very common. Uh, for kids uh, that grow up that, you know, I was a latchkey kid, a Gen mm-hmm. Xer. So like, you know, I was already feral to begin with. Right. However, <laughs> yeah, and kids nowadays, it, it, it's totally different. And so I, I really hope that they're more equipped to be more attuned parents and have the awareness of, okay, this is anxiety. This is that's normal part of life. Right. Um, so that they don't feel so um, victimized because when parents start to, a lot of parents will, um, they're determined to make sure that their kid knows, no, your mom is really bad. Like your, your dad is a narcissist. 
okay, great. Maybe to you, maybe it's, it doesn't even matter that kids, it, it just destroys that kid because you're telling that kid, oh, so I'm half a narcissist now. So right. when they are, don't have that life experience, you're almost reshaping them into something that they don't even think about. But now they have to play a part to appease mom or dad. And that's just sad. That's, that's, that's not a life. Right. That's, that's a prison. Well, Lisa, this has been super informative in helping us to better understand our role as parents, especially navigating co-parenting after divorce. Um, for more resources for parents like us or for children and adult children of divorce that may feel that after listening to this, they've experienced parental alienation um, where can they go to learn more, to self-assess, and to be able to move forward? So um, you can check out the Stephood Project. You could also check out uh, Parental Alienation Awareness. And, you know, just for any anyone that thinks that they've been alienated, it's an unraveling, and that's just part of the process. Don't be afraid of it you know, uncovering, you know, uh, opening up that Pandora's box actually allows you to heal. It's a part of life. Healing is a practice. It's like a full-time, it's like like a sport. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Uh, of course. Because truthfully, yeah. yeah, our mind and body will heal themselves once we know what happened to us. And hopefully parents that are that are listening can understand this from a, a child who grew up to prove it, but you know what? Okay, no one's perfect. It's what do you do now when you know? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, like make space. Like even just because your child is an adult doesn't mean that that pain doesn't go away and it's just because it happened a long time ago. But if it's never been tended to, uh, it just gets, it, it festers. It gets worse and and then, you know, kids... They're not just uh, angry teenagers. Now they're angry adults. Mm, even worse. And they, now they drink. can, buy, they can yeah. drink and buy a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Get on airplanes, get kicked off. I mean, do you see them on the airplanes and you see how people react very loud and they're arguing and people have to pull them off the airplane? Right. That's, that's something happened. Something happened yep. to them. For sure. And so that because. Yeah, we react out of our emotional part of the brain, and that's where we hold uh, trauma. And where we hold trauma, there is no time or space. That's why it's like you can't even really talk to a person when they're like over emotional because they're almost they're they're not they're not in the reality. They're in the reality from the past that wasn't ever healed. Do you think it happens with a lot of kids or even adults, I guess, that do have outbursts is that even though the situation may be as simple as you move my car keys and they make it seem like you just wrecked their car? Yeah, it's disproportionate, totally disproportionate. That's always new. Like, why would I do that again? Oh, now it makes sense. Oh, my God. Yes, it's those things. Those moments of like, it's human and it's, a sign that, oh, God, I wasn't nurtured. So pretty much our whole generation. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you. It's, you know, you can survive anything. It's 
we aren't what happens to us. We we are a product of who we want to turn out. We're the Damn. ones who have the control. Fantastic. Well, Lisa, this has been super informative. We really appreciate you for your time and helping us dig into this really worthwhile topic, especially sandwiched right between Mother's Day and Father's Day. Um, this is really a good topic for all parents to reflect on, especially if they are entering into a second relationship or helping their kids navigate through life after divorce is don't be that parent that alienates because the trauma that you you lump into your kids' lives, it's completely avoidable. I mean, we're all messed up enough. Yeah. Let's not add fuel to the fire. Am <laughs> I right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it's harder. You don't want to fly on one wing. You uh-huh, do. Like your little pilot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You crash and burn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, Lisa, we appreciate your time so much. We're going to go put this into practice while we go co-host our Littlest's birthday party. Um, We just want to say thank you again for your time. And um, definitely, listeners, we're going to have all the information about the parenthood or the stephood project uh, in the show notes, as well as the other resources that Lisa mentioned. And Lisa, we wish you all the best. Thank you. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is podcasting made easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. Hey, that was so great for Lisa to call in all the way uh, into here. Definitely. I learned so much from her about the roles that we play in terms of step parenting. And, you know, I was just totally joking about the Cinderella's evil stepmother, kind of. I, I don't think so. I, <laughs> I, I think after a few a few mishaps with the children and their behavior not necessarily being the best, I can see where possibly that maybe, you know, uh, you know, it's funny. Okay. Disney always seems to paint the, um, the, the villain, ch- the children as being like angels uh-huh. in every situation, you know, except for the step kids. They were evil too. I and don't Pinocchio know. did some naughty things and his nose grew. Yeah. Yeah. But, he, but at the end of the story, he's like the heart and warming. Right. Fun. He's like the hero I'm of the show. I'm a boy. Yes. I'm a real boy. <laughs> Do it again. That was your voice. Do your voice again. <laughs> and that just came out spontaneously. I'm a real boy. There you go. And what is it? What is the uh, little um, little character? Jiminy that, Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. What does he always say? Uh, I don't remember. Dude, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yeah. But back to what you were saying about, you know, after the kids, the, Disney paints the kids to be so perfect. They do. And of course, um, parents being kind of like either the parents in the Disney movies are like guardians and always killed off early. You know, in every Disney movie, <laughs> true. The, the parent that everybody cares about, the one that's supposed to be nurturing the child is dead or gets killed off. I'm, I'm thinking The Lion King for some reason, probably because you just saw the play. But um, that and of course, like uh, I think in Cinderella, oh, the and- mother was killed off. But then you know what's funny is that 
this new step queen step um, mother comes in and she's not she just is painted as like this evil witch. Like who would marry that? You know what I'm saying? And right. where's, where's the dude at? I didn't remember the dude being in the movie, the guy that she married. Well, so if you watch Ever After, which is the live action Drew Barrymore version of the Cinderella story, um, her father dies of a heart attack and it's shortly after he married the countess. The who? And the countess. What's a countess? It's like, it's in, it takes place in England and it's like, British and you know what they, it's a, a title. A countess is basically like their version of an accountant. No, no, it's like a like a a lady of the property, but a lady of the night. No, but he she's brought in from this like foreign land. He married her and bring brought her in with her two stepdaughters, and then dies within like a week later. And she's madly in love with him. And then when she dies, when he dies, leaves like no long-term financial plan. So then she has to, you know, figure out how to keep the household running. And, you know, it's, it's a much different story that's painted. So that's what happened to that parent in that dynamic. But it is a difficult role to be a quote unquote step parent. And, and I would say it's because like you love the kids so much and you definitely would love for them to love you back but sometimes the kids are wrestling with trying to figure out where you fit in their life like for my example our little ones they have a mom i am called quote unquote stepmom or bonus mom or bonus mom but then that puts the titles in almost like direct competition where it's like well who's the mom? Who do I listen to? Whose rules go? And I know that that's super challenging. And I know same thing, like for you being a stepdad and Ezekiel having a dad, it's like, well, when he's here, what's your role? It's just a big, like, I don't know. I constantly wrestle with like, how do I navigate this dynamic as a step parent? I think as, as they get older, as they go into the workforce and the world itself, they do realize that certain behaviors and certain things usually aren't aren't um, globally accepted, whereas they may have thought like, you know, like, um, you know, like just just saying like, when you go to a work workforce and you don't like, it's not it's not cool to go up and like slap your coworker on the butt, you know, even though you, <laughs> may, you may do that at home a lot, you know. <laughs> How does that relate to step parenting, honey? It does because. Because you want to tell your kids that's not cool. Oh, yeah. So there's certain things that we can speak into as if like as a stepmom, things that I would tell the boys that are just like normal common sense things. But then I've had to figure out how to have my own relationship with them and take an interest in things that they enjoy. But it's it's definitely a unique dynamic and one that I think people don't talk about as much as they should. Don't you agree? I agree. Yeah. Well, this has been super informative, Chris. Do you have any last words for our listeners or you want to tell them where they can find out more about us and our show? Yeah, you can find out all about our show and us at uh, com, And there'll be a link to that into the show notes of this episode. Just look on down and there it is. Absolutely. And on that website, you can find out more about this podcast. You can find links to all of our family fun videos 
We will be coming back to you in another future episode and giving you our annual family vacation recap and a recap on separate episodes of some of the other adventures we've been having. So you definitely want to stay tuned. It's been a fun adventure summer. The summer has been non-stop. If I never see an airplane ever again, I'd be happy. What? (laughs) You're lying. Well, you're just, I've already started planning the next one. So you're out of luck, Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Where are we going? So uh, definitely stay tuned to the website and you can find out more about Chris's work with Podtastic Audio and production services and find out about what's happening with our wedding planning and event business, Christine Smith Designs. And just thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with you next next week. week.